0: Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of the latest Shiny U podcast. This is your host, Stephen Spector. And with me, who has, who's uh, crawled back from KubeCon. Can I say that, Rob? You crawled back.
1: <laughs> That's how it feels. Oh, my yes. goodness. And, so, um, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm ginning up for reinvent next, and then uh, I'll be at the Gartner symposium, or not symposium, it's a different event, the Gartner, Gartner IT operations management event the week after. Well, I have no,
0: I have no idea how you're doing reInvent. I did it last year and it overwhelmed me. And after doing KubeCon last week, you're hardcore. But, uh, you know, we did our pre-event KubeCon podcast, which did real well. I think a lot of people enjoyed that. So we thought, well, let's do a post-KubeCon. Um, I didn't attend, but I can give my perspective from what I read. But I'd like to get, you know, firsthand thoughts, Rob, from you. You know, before we dive into anything, what was your overall impression besides... Twelve thousand people, which amazes
1: me. <laughs> it was a big event. Uh, I mean, it definitely has the feeling that Kubernetes is the you know winning you know container scheduling runtime, right? I mean, every company that is you know acting in IT has a had a presence there. Although a lot of them it wasn't, you know, these huge, giant, like take over the floor booths. It was it was a little bit more modest than that. I think that's a credit to the CNCF to not have the startups being, you know, look like minnows next to the whales. But um it you know, it definitely had the feel of, you know, the platform from a from a multi cloud vendor neutral perspective. Well,
0: it's just you know, this is gonna be a dumb question, but I'm gonna ask it anyway. It's just a container scheduling algorithm, right? And yet this has taken on into the life. I mean, you know, from OpenStack days, you know, we were building an entire cloud. And now it's like, you know, Kubernetes is it's just that, but it seems to be bigger and maybe even more important.
1: Can we say that? it, it is more. It is more important than a virtualization layer because it's not just a container scheduling algorithm. I mean, there's people should pay attention to the uh, operators and the CRDs, these resource definitions um, that allow you to extend the API and, and provide a more sort of generic interface into other things. Like OpenStack had to have projects for each thing that they were adding. Kubernetes has this pluggable API approach that allows you to build an operator and then attach to these other things, but they don't have to be in the project. So you can have a, You know, database operator that allows you to create and then attach to a a database, Um, and that creates a degree of abstraction that we're we're seeing this wealth of projects in in the Kubernetes ecosystem that that then start plugging in. Not just through operators, there's a whole bunch of ways, but they plug into um, this ecosystem, and so it's that. And maybe that's the word. This felt more like a forming ecosystem than it felt like. a celebration of kubernetes
0: so so let's talk about the event i'm sorry to sidetrack you on that but That's uh fine. you know what were i don't know i guess highlights lowlights. lights um you know <laughs> i don't think you went to i think you said you were a hallway attendee which means you didn't go into the expo maybe you snuck in i don't
1: know i, I was say the expo no no I, okay. I paid i paid the freight and i went i went to the event i i just made the choice since uh, all of those sessions are recorded I, I chose human interaction and conversations uh, over uh, sitting in a in a session. Okay, so what what were
0: some of the big takeaways? Good, bad, stuff like that.
1: Uh, you know, there's a lot of enthusiasm. I'm I'm surprised with how you know everybody's you know not necessarily rowing together, but there's a lot of uh, you know sort of sort of consent on the forward direction. Of, of the project and how things are going. So like you didn't have people having, pro, you know, you know, standing up and saying, this is all going to hell. We're doing it wrong. This is bad. You know, you're making bad decisions that that isn't mm-hmm. happening with, with, with Kubernetes like that. Um, you know, I think there are people who are worried about, you know, losing the feel of the community or, it, you know, lose, you know, there's, there's all sorts of people who are sort of prognosticating but they're not usually within the community. It's it's surprising um, how much unity there is around the base. Mm-hmm. Um, in part because people are actively competing, and there's they're acknowledging that. Right? there were a whole bunch of things in keynotes and statements um, in keynotes about you know, hey, we're we're competitors and we're working together. Um, they didn't they didn't gloss over the we're competitors. It was a competitors and statement. Um, And so that was one of my big takeaways over and over again. I do see, you know, technical um, challenges and I, I, we can, we can go talk about that too. Um, But the community, I feel like the community is pretty healthy. I don't, I don't feel like the event was so big that it was unwieldy. Mm -hmm. Uh, Not at all. And and I, you know, or that, or that the people were, you know, sort of uh, forming clicks so much. So
0: was it open sourcey or was it not so open (laughs) sourcey? I mean there's a difference. Um, You understand that question.
1: I and there's there's definitely a degree of you know what people want from open source, but it's not um it it's not the the open source religion conversations that we would we would get um I, I that I've seen happen. Um, where, the, you know, I didn't see anybody I, actually, it's not true. I did see some fringe conversations where people would be like, well, that's not really open source or that's not, you're not, you're not in the, you know, you're not exposing your code or your vent, you're, you're putting your vendor tag in this. I've seen a couple of that, Yeah, but, but, you know, there's an acknowledgement that these are vendors. Um, you know, most of the Kubernetes distro certifications, and there's a hundred now are. Cloud service providers doing these these distros, right? A lot of them are people running Kubernetes for you, not you know, you installing Kubernetes yourself. Um, there are some of those, but a lot of them, you know, it's the big ones are all they do it for you. They take over the management. You don't you don't mess with it. So so you know I'm gonna add on that.
0: That's interesting because yeah. I read a blog post and I, I wanna say this as a CTO advisor, but It may have been someone else, and I apologize if I confuse this, but someone said that Kubernetes is going to disappear, and that's a good thing. Saying that Kubernetes is going to disappear, and it's just something that's there for you to use. And it sounds like you're saying the same thing.
1: You know, from a platform layer, I think that that's exactly right. A lot of the, the people that we're talking about here, either as a managed service offering or as a product offering, they want to bring, they're selling you their service. Kubernetes is an enablement technology on it. Um, that's actually what I would expect to see more of is the conversations that I saw Kubernetes should turn into um, application performance monitoring or application delivery framework conversations. Um, you know, into like Cloud Foundry and, and OpenShift's credit, that's what those, those platforms are. And they're sort of like, look, it, it's Kubernetes under the covers, yay but we're helping you with your CICD pipeline, right? We're, we're competing with GitLab and that's the competition. They're not competing on the Kubernetes side. And that's actually part of what allows people to not get um, overwrought on, you know, Kubernetes. And, you know, it's, it does become sort of like, oh, this is commons software. We're, you know, we know how we can extend it. We know where we're extending it and we're, we're, we're embedding it. So yeah, you're exactly right. It's disappearing.
0: Okay. So that was a good statement. I thought that was really, it made sense. I'm glad to hear you said the same thing.
1: I, there there's still places where I think it needs, we have a ways to go. I don't, you know, I, I think that, you know, I'd love to see, and I've said this many times on the show that I'd like to see an ISV market emerge. Like Chris, Chris Short and I were talking about exactly this, right? Mm-hmm. And, and I didn't see a lot of people who were like, yeah, we sell you software that just runs inside of Kubernetes, you know, generically. Um, that's, I'm, I still feel like that's missing. I did see a lot of people saying, we're going to run, you know, help you manage the, you know, 100, the cluster sprawl that you have going on. Um, and so you've got, you know, a fair number of vendors who are like, who are, who are helping you sort of clean up the Kubernetes uh, explosion that organizations are having or manage mm-hmm. them or, you know, monitor them better. So there's a whole bunch of like, uh, you know, the, you know, Pandora's box, you know, we're, we're going to help you tame. Came the Kubernetes that came out of that box. So what? Uh,
0: so I, we're, I know we're wandering off the event and stuff. So I want to get back to the event. <laughs> well,
1: so the event is Kubernetes in a way. It's yeah. But, yeah.
0: So, so when you went to the expo hall, anything new and interesting? I know we talked about. Uh, you know, are there any good swag? Um, anything? <laughs> was there maybe not just swag? Was there a company in there? But I do want to hear about swag as well. Was there a really interesting company you hadn't seen?
1: um boy and they had a they had a, a whole bunch of a stuff i there wasn't anybody who really surprised me um and there wasn't as much edge focused technology as i was hoping um there are a couple of companies who've made announcements around um edge some of them have been on the show um and some we need to get on the show like volterra um was one and um Uh, what Castan? Castan, uh, yeah. Um, and uh, so so there 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 are companies, and, and we would love to see some more. And I'm, I'm certain I'm I'm drawing a blank and not getting the whole list. Uh, but I think that there's a difference between edge technology and multi-site Kubernetes technologies. Mm-hmm. And I think you know at some point we're going to need a show that sort of makes the distinction between edge infrastructure and it infrastructure and you know i have pops in a whole bunch of places and i'll run kubernetes for you and all those pops and reduce the latency um, so it's like a distributed cloud infrastructure um and edge can edge can encompass that i mean edge edge can mean anything people want it to frankly um, as we know but at the same time i think when we look at you know actually managing that those points of presence and the distributed infrastructure, that's that's one problem. Running Kubernetes across you know 40 sites and have, dealing with the networking and storage distribution is another thing. And there are some companies that are, are having that conversation. Um but it wasn't a big concern for the, frankly, it's not a big concern for most of the Kubernetes people at that show. They're 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 talking about that at a high level. Um, but still not still not all the way there um you know i i do i do still get excited about k3s and i I love to talk about what you know rancher did with k3s because it was a fork of Kubernetes. um we talked about that a bit um but we shouldn't underestimate how important it is that you know people have embraced something that is basically not the pure source code running kubernetes as an alternative kubernetes um that to me is a huge maturity that's like a step you know one of those you know, uh, milestones in the, in the communities of evolution. Um, and there's competitive projects floating around in there. Um, Istio and Linkerd, um, you know, or do overlap. There's a Venn diagram where there's an overlap. Um, and people aren't, you know, they're, they're, they're watching, but they're not freaking out. So all good signs.
0: So the other thing that I read about, talked about, um, Kubernetes in terms of enterprises and that uh, we really are, the enterprises aren't here and it's social and it's, you know, developer people talking about it, but not necessarily um, enterprises. Any, uh, any Mm. thoughts on that, that this is, uh, you know, it's not really enterprise thing, but it's such a developer thing at this point. I don't see it as an IT thing.
1: Oh, I think it's very much an enterprise thing. Um, Are they there? They yeah. There were there were definitely enterprises of all stripes running around. So I was talking to plenty of companies that were using Kubernetes that weren't vendors. Um, it was still a pretty vendor vendor show, but there right. were plenty of users. There were a lot of governments and government agencies running around. Um, yeah, it's it's a it is not. This is not a you know strictly a. Uh, vendor building Kubernetes show, there are people in there using it. I think the operators and operationalizing Kubernetes, because, you know, we already talked about it's really driven so much by the service providers. Right. I think we're way out. We're way behind on the operational concerns around Kubernetes. Um, You know, Red Hat did a major rethink on how they deploy OpenShift behind the scenes and they're, they switched everything to Kubernetes, sort of bootstrapping Kubernetes using operators, and then Red Hat uh, re-brought CoreOS as a as an OS, and so their new their new Kubernetes is like all CoreOS based, although it's a Red Hat CoreOS right um, thing, and so they're right they're they're operationalizing it in a very different way than they operationalized it in the past, um, but. You know, this is this is the you know install path du jour. We're not we're not done yet. We're not thinking through all the issues because I know, you know, I go way deep in the hardware side, but operationalizing OS is not trivial.
0: Yeah. Um, what about the? Um, I'm trying to think. The last thing I um, I can think about what I read was one person did write about that um, the event is too big. And it needs to be broken up into smaller things. And then I'll add to that in general. I've noticed several people just saying in general that these huge, big events are a waste of time. And that they'd prefer to go to smaller, really targeted events instead of these giant, uh, I don't know, call them buffets of events. They'd rather go <laughs> to a fine dining restaurant than the buffet of events. Um any thoughts on that? I'm combining two things with this question. I love
1: this question. I'm, I'm laughing. Um, I I do like small intimate events. Um, right, the Lisas, the glucons, the um, SREcon. Mm-hmm. Um, I I find those to be very very nice to get things done. Um, but I don't. I wouldn't say one is better than the other. The nice thing about a big event like this is that everybody's there. You can find everybody. You know, you can, you know, sample, sample different tastes, but, you know, people should understand KubeCon was a three, was a three-day event, um, but it was prefaced by, you know, a full day of smaller conferences and smaller events that were, you know, focused on different projects and different vendors. And that trend is going to continue. And we're seeing that in more and more places. And so it's, it's not that you're fine dining, uh, fine dining versus yeah, a buffet. buffet. What what you what you really have is an anchor event, and then you have boutique events that that come around it. Um, right. So you know, the boutiques we, 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 are there. The, the the boutiques are there. You know, they might require that you end up spending you know four or five days at the event. Yeah. Um, but the boutiques are the boutiques are there. Um, and so it's, it's nice to have a draw The the challenge with these small conferences is that you're not every, and, and the flip side is we have these vendor vendor vendored, vendored <laughs> conferences. So every vendor now has their own, their own thing. And then they put on, that becomes their center of attention. Um, I'm thinking about like HashiConf, which is an excellent event and showcases all their tools and draws in a nice group of people. But it's, small. Um, it's small, but it, it's, it's very focused on what they do and that's great you know it's very intense deliberate Mm -hmm. conversations um i you know you can get overwhelmed from travel and i i I don't like the having to choose right i'm about to go to reinvent um and it's going to be you know from amazon's perspective it's amazon all day long i'm not going to actually talk that much about amazon except the whatever they announce i'm going to have conversations with people about you know IT problems outside of outside of the venue. And, so, and that's what these big anchors do. Mm-hmm. They're going to bring in people with general problems. Um, you know, and that's, I, I think that's reasonable. On the flip side, you get something like Edge Congress, um, which, you know, has to maintain a critical mass. Um, you know, but, we went to, I went, I spoke at that event a couple of weeks ago, like we highlighted. But um,
0: that event works because you were in Austin. So by living in Austin, you have availability to more events because you're there naturally and it's easier to go to. And if you have to decide which ones to travel to, then you have to become more selective. But being one of the homes of more events, you get get that plus, that option.
1: Yeah, and it's a really serious thing, right? They did a great job recording the Kubernetes events. And so you don't, if your plan is to attend sessions, you can stay home. And you can you can be there. You can be present in those. I would love to see somebody raised the most controversial thing. I saw at KubeCon actually was somebody was raising the you know the greenhouse gas and climate change costs right. of, of of these events. Which, thank God, somebody's asking that question. Oh, they're it's, they're it's enormous. They're enormous, and the the footprint for these events is enormous. Um, you know, human interaction is is incredibly valuable, but you know we could be asking, is this what we wanna do? Like DevOps, there's an all day DevOps event that is a you know a totally online conference. Right. Um, but I think it would be, why not combine it?
0: But why not, see I like the idea, if the sessions are taped, right? So mm-hmm. they can be recorded wherever, so why not have a bunch of mini conferences all over the place? And so as an example, KubeCon happens But I don't travel to San Diego here in Boise at some facility, you know, 100, 200 people we gather. The sessions are there for us to watch, but also we can talk to people. And if there's local people here, then you get this human interaction with the event and and it's easier. No one's, I don't know, maybe someone's tried this. I remember the all virtual conferences about 10, 15 years ago, and I tried to go to someone's booth in an all virtual, I mean, it was a nightmare. So, you know, that just doesn't but I think that would be interesting, right? Imagine if Austin had Austin KubeCon, and then you went there and could interact with people locally there, plus the sessions are running and they're online, and it would be interesting idea. It might be difficult for sponsors, but that could be something to fix it.
1: Yeah, I mean, DevOps days sort of plays those roles, um, mm-hmm. but you do have, you know, an expertise, you know challenge and and you know it, there is a critical mass of getting everybody together um I, I would love to you know this is this is a I think a real real thing that we should be talking about um it's not exactly a latest shiny topic I think no, that there's we're off of, yeah but that I are, think there are would more be... that, are, that are more on that we typically go more the technical side of things but um well I wonder if there's that people I have the same thought about edge frankly right yeah. it, you know Carbon footprint of edge could be lower and smaller. Um, I would love, this is an invitation for a guest to come in. I would love to talk through carbon footprint for data centers and edge infrastructure and think through if there's a benefit or if we're just, you know, moving carbon, you know, we're actually losing because a lot of data centers are set up in, in carbon neutral places. Yeah.
0: But I think, so one last thing, uh, you know, I'm going to add one extra question because you know me, I always do it. So is- gu- the Google Stadia uh, numbers are back <laughs> okay. and, and uh, far be it for me to see something controversial. And um, the, the numbers basically stink. Although it was funny because I'm reading in the United States, everyone's yelling how the, you know, how pathetic and it's terrible. The latency is a killer and this is nonsense yet. Uh, I won't give his name even though he's been on this podcast before from Edge Gravity. He thought it was the greatest thing ever because somehow it improved his capabilities in England. So that makes me worried what uh, what his uh, performance <laughs> of standard internet outside of London is. But other than him, it was pretty bad, but it seems to me that Google doesn't care because they've come out and said, alright, we're starting. People have engaged. Now they are get tons of feedback. And at the same time, you know, once they move those servers closer to those people, the change is going to be so amazing for those people, they're instantly going to get fans. And by screwing up early, they build an audience. Is that crazy thinking?
1: Uh, you know, it's there's it, a funny thing about setting expectations low mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and, then, and then slowly exceeding them. Um, It's it's interesting. Yeah, I think the people who expected it to be bad thought it was bad. But um, this goes back to my unpopular opinions comment about the you know why Edge isn't going to happen in the U.S. as fast because we can afford consoles. That's right, and gaming computers and fast internet connections, and um, you know, you go someplace where those things aren't as common, and all of a sudden Stadia might be marginal, but it's. Good, good enough. But it um, is funny
0: because the response from England was, "This is outstanding." And you're talking a, an edge professional who's helping to figure out how to build all this stuff. So we're not talking someone who doesn't understand. And he thought it was great. And then, of course, my son sent me videos of people screaming and yelling. And uh, here in the United States, what I
1: thought was good. funny. I well, we you know we talk on the gaming stuff all the time how yeah. how frustrating jitter is. Um, yeah. Gaming experience, you know, you're going to have to get the right type of game and you're going to have to do it. But if you're, if you've invested 20 minutes in a game and it jitters and you lose the game when you're on a roll, it's, you know, oh, you, yeah. don't, you, don't, you don't do that very often. Um, you know, it's not as big a deal with worse with friends. <laughs> um, but I, you know, it's, it's a reasonable thing. I, I think we underestimate the control of IP. Um, in, in these conversations and, and how people think about that, um, it's nuanced. I you know it's the same time. It's like people's reaction to the cyber truck. Um, <laughs> oh, gosh. That, you know, <laughs> I, I don't... I, I t- actually think it's sort of awesome. Okay, but, tell me,
0: other than the look, again, I'm not a car person, so I didn't read details. Is the way it's shaped have value? Is there something to why it's shaped other than to be some space equal thing to get people to look? I mean, is there a reason for it? Uh,
1: I I heard, I heard that the rationale was when it comes to trucks, you already have your, if you're a truck person, you already have your, your brand and your look and all this stuff. And they're like, ah, heck with it. We're not going to get those people to switch. We're not trying to build a new F one We're trying to build a distinctly Tesla thing. And I, I actually think that that's a very realistic thing that, um, When I I drive a Chevy Volt, which I love, um, and the Chevy Volt prototypes looked very electric car, and they significantly um, removed that look when they came into production. They made them look much more like traditional cars. Um, And there were a lot of people who were upset because they want an electric car that looks like an electric car. And I think Tesla is right to be like, screw it, we're Tesla. Our electric truck looks like something distinctly electric.
0: Okay, so it's not. It's this is what I was saying. It's not. There's an aerodynamic or something. There's no other reason for it to look like that. They chose that design.
1: Yeah, aerodynamics on trucks are not usually the first. It doesn't matter. order okay. business. But but I think I think they do have some some ideas on like deflecting rocks or yeah. <laughs> like going through the bush. I don't know. Well, well, you know, but, after
0: living for years and in Texas a couple years and here in Boise for a while, you'd think I'd know more about my pickup trucks, but uh, I just, you know, 15 years in South Florida doesn't make you uh, think about pickup trucks, so uh, uh,
1: perhaps that yeah. will be
0: my truck, although I haven't owned a car in a few years, so
1: I haven't, in, I haven't in Austin, changed. the definition of a pickup truck is somebody with two scooters and a board in between them. Nowadays,
0: oh. uh, are people getting killed? We've had we've had two deaths here this, uh, in the last couple of months from people we on are scooters.
1: Far from our starting topic as you can get.
0: Uh, I know, but but have you
1: had deaths in Austin from people in these scooters? I, I have not I've been seeing a lot of injuries. I I and I've talked to people who from a conspiracy perspective believe that they are being sw- things are being swept under the rug on the the actual uh in and and casualty problems around those those devices. Um all right, we've got I have, you. I have certainly I have certainly witnessed accidents and seen and you know seen a number of near misses. Um and when you're witnessing that rate of then incidents, then it's happening. There's, yeah. All right. So all our listeners
0: don't get on the scooters. We are uh, we are starting a campaign safety the scooters. <laughs> Although I, I was talking about uh, one last thing, and we're this is really going to go off the rails. But do you, I don't know if you did when you took driving classes. I don't know if they still do it in driving school. They had the famous blood on the road movie where they show yes, like the pavement like, and the blood goes down. So um, I've been thinking about the blood. I, I don't know why, but the other day I was thinking that, about the, it.
1: That episode is legendary. And yeah, my, my kids who went through that not that long ago. <laughs> still do the mud um, on the still road. Still talk about it. It's still a rite of passage. It's still, yeah. You know, All right. Well. And it's it's useful. You, you got to, you're driving a, you know. You, you got to understand you're what driving you're driving. Your driving your cyber truck and you have to be aware that it's, you know, it's a powerful machine. And with a lot of inertia, and you better better know. I, I, this, but this is true with anything, right? Yeah. Um, even with Kubernetes. All right, well, I'm canceling this. <laughs> this
0: is supposed to be a short podcast. Uh, for our listeners, This is uh, we're pushing this out just after Thanksgiving here in the U.S. Um, we weren't sure, you know, I wasn't sure how many people on Thanksgiving weekend are going to listen here in the U.S. So we kind of put this out. Next week on the first <laughs> so week of December, so you're basically
1: saying we're a bunch of, we're, we're a bunch of turkeys. Yes, we I are turkeys.
0: But the big podcast uh. that we've been working to get for some time is coming out on December seventh. Very excited. We have uh, Professor Satya uh, from Carnegie Mellon, who I don't I I mean he didn't invent Edge, but in 2009 he wrote a paper out saying this is coming. And and Rob, I, I heard the podcast this morning. So for our listeners, it's a can't miss. It is, it's one of my favorite podcasts we've done. And uh, as Rob can attest to, it's taken us months to get this one. So if you listen to this and you're still here, which means you're hardcore, I know you're going (laughs) to listen the week after. But if you go and tell people, hey, you need to catch this one next week, don't miss it. So, um, you know, we're going to promote that heavy. And uh, Rob, good to talk to you and uh, be safe at reInvent. Uh, I know you'll be on buses endlessly between hotels, and when you come back, we, will. Can, we can we can talk about the insanity of reinvent and how pleased I am to not go this year. So, <laughs> th- thanks again, Rob.
1: Sacrifice. <laughs>